Tuesday, September 29th. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We are in the midst of the greatest, busiest stretch of sports in in history because of what's happened in, in 2020. Now, having a couple week stretch of... We just finished with the NHL. They just... Uh, Ended their season in the bubble Coming up this week We have the baseball playoffs beginning We have the NBA finals Beginning on Wednesday Baseball playoffs begin on Tuesday We have NCAA football Continuing on Many teams and leagues are now starting to open back up We have French Open Opening from Preak, uh, opening from Keeneland We also have the Preakness And oh yeah NFL week 4 Also this is an incredible week, and we are going to be covering all of that stuff right here on That's What G Said Podcast. So on this episode, we are going to have a baseball preview with Mike Abadier. We're going to go through all of the playoff matchups, and we're going to set you up with the bracket and give some of our selections, some thoughts on each of the series. NBA thoughts. I'm going to preview the the Lakers Heat final series myself, and then in... Next week, uh, later this week, on the next episode, Alex Regla is going to join me to recap what happened in Game One. When we'll preview the rest of the series and uh, we'll talk about what happened in Game One and, uh, and and how that will affect the the series going forward. I'm going to give some quick reactions on NFL Week Three on the next episode. Scott Shapiro will join me to go over Week Four with all of our selections. We'll break down all the games. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts on Pimlico Thursday card, a couple plays for Pimlico Thursday. So we'll have some baseball, some basketball, NFL Week 3 reactions, and some horse racing. Oh yeah, another one of those loaded episodes. That's what she said, podcast. couple favors to ask, if you can. Always support those sponsors of That's What G Said, Stable Duel, our friends over Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, CindyCarava.com. Sarah Candles, when you use that promo code Gino at sarahcandles.com, you get 10% off of your purchase over at Thrive Fantasy. Use the promo code Gino. You will get an instant $20 bonus when you deposit 20 and oldsmokeclothing.com. Promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping. Those sponsors continue to help me do this. Thank you very much to them. Hopefully you can support them and support us through them. And then don't forget to subscribe. YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Pods, TuneIn, Spreaker, all over the place. Subscribe to That's What G Said Podcast. Big news. This week in Stable Duel. Let's take a look at the Stable Duel contest schedule for the week. Tuesday, $10 contest available for you at Parks. So this week... Parks, Keeneland, Emerald, Charlestown, Pimlico, Santa Anita contest all throughout the week. They have a huge Saturday Preakness contest. There are going to be $20,000 in prizes paid out throughout the week. $10,000 in that Saturday Preakness contest. There's going to be a free roll on Saturday. And if you are a player in Stable Duel, if you get to silver status, and as soon as you start playing, it'll tell you what your status is on, on the app. If you get to silver status... By the end of the weekend, by by the weekend, you'll be able to use get a twenty five dollar credit that you can use in the Preakness game for Saturday. That Preakness game that'll have ten thousand dollars in prizes. So Tuesday, Parks contest ten dollars entry. Wednesday they've got a ten dollar entry at Parks and a five dollar entry at Emerald. Thursday, 
$10 entry at Pimlico, $5 entry at Emerald, $10 entry at Charlestown, and then for the weekend options, on Friday at Keeneland, two different contests. There's a regular $10 entry, and then there's a $50 top 10, which means it only pays out to the top 10, and that's a $2,000 guaranteed pool. There's a $10 Pimlico contest, and then there are two contests at Santa Anita. There's a $5 contest, and then there's a $25 Santa Anita top 10 contest. How about Saturday? A free roll at Pimlico, and it's a top 10 with $1,000 in prizes paid out to the top 10. Free roll. Get involved. Then there's the $10,000 Pimlico challenge. It's a $25 entry fee with $10,000 in prizes. $10 Santa Anita entry fee. Uh, on Saturday and then on Sunday You got a $50 top 10 at Keeneland With a $2,000 guaranteed pool They also have a $10 entry there at Keeneland And then a $25 entry At Santa Anita, uh, a top 10 So tons of options all throughout the week Download that Stable Duel app From your uh, you know your phones Your iPad And if you have any questions you know, Putting together your lineup Let me know There will also be another live stream this weekend So if you follow Stable Duel on Twitter or on Facebook I joined them last weekend in the morning It was uh, I think around 12.30 or so Eastern, 9.30 Pacific And so morning for me And we discussed general strategy And then some horses to throw in our lineups And I believe there's going to be another Stable Duel stream coming up this weekend Talking all about Breakness Saturday and a lot of the contests coming up for the weekend. So make sure to follow along. You get great information there. Big week coming up in Stable Duel and a huge week coming up in baseball. So Tuesday, the baseball playoffs start. The American League playoffs begin. So you'll get four games because there are eight actual series. 16 teams made the playoffs, eight in the American, eight in the National. And then how about Tuesday? There are going to be eight baseball playoff games on Tuesday starting at 12 Eastern. And they rattle throughout the day. 12 Eastern, 1 Eastern, 2 Eastern, 3 Eastern. And then just all the way throughout. And I think the Dodger game is the the final game on Wednesday and it starts at 10 Eastern. If you are a baseball fan, you're just going to have baseball on all throughout the day on Wednesday. Eight baseball games. And remember, just a... Two out of three in this opening round. We talk all about the baseball playoffs. Everything you need to know with Mike Abadir. Kick back and enjoy. We chat for about an hour. Everything baseball. Hey, miss what is the sports week to two weeks in the history of sports. Because the way the 2020 is, we have baseball playoffs at a little different time of year. We have a football season that's at the same time, but we have a football season that's in the middle of a basketball playoff and a baseball playoff in a 60-game season. We have a baseball playoffs that are different than anything. This year, this week, in this year, we've got the French Open, we've got the Preakness, we've got college football, college basketball, baseball, hockey, all going on simultaneously. And whenever we talk baseball, the man who usually joins me, one of my very good friends, co- I am the co-host on his show, so I'm sure many of you are probably listening to the Mike Abadir show each and every week. But Mike Abadir joins on That's What G Said. And Mike, this is uh, this is the week that we love. Absolutely, freaking lutely And just to add to that list that you were saying, in, it seems like every, every week, yeah, there's the Preakness, of course, uh, you know, Black Eyed Susan on Friday, the Preakness on Saturday, but there's also going to be opening days for college football. It seems like every week mm-hmm. it's the first home game or first game 
in general for for a college football team all the way through the Pac-12, which is going to get started later on. I mean, it's just it's nutty, but for a sports fan, this is great, and I think it's it's great because we get to see kind of how things could be done in the future, Gino, right? With COVID and everything that's gone on with it, you know, do you see expanded playoffs in baseball? Do you maybe see, before we started recording, we were talking about basketball and and the long trips, maybe basketball, if they don't go bubble, maybe they go regional. Maybe they do something similar to baseball because that's been the big complaint, right? 82 games, too, too much, too long, too difficult on the players. Maybe they start just playing, you know, Western Conference teams, Eastern Conference teams, something like that. Who knows? But baseball is kind of the trendsetter, right? They were the yep. first to kind of do it outside of a bubble and to give the template for football. And I think out of outside of August, I think it's gone phenomenally well. Yeah, everything has gone really well. And I, I want to see and we'll jump into talking about baseball right now. And before we get into the specifics, we'll run through the bracket. We'll spend a mi- couple minutes in each series and just kind of give some of our, our selections as we go through. We're not going to spend two or hours like on a normal one because, unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of time between when the playoff bracket is set and when the playoffs start. We didn't even know until late Sunday. So we're recording this Monday evening, and these playoff games are going to start on Tuesday. And so we have a different playoff um, Format than ever before there are 16 teams eight from American eight from a national that were that have made the playoffs We're gonna have three game series to kick things off So if you're one of the better teams you are really nervous about this little three game series here because you could quickly lose one game And then you are staring at a Wednesday or Thursday situation with your entire season on the line The three teams I want to give props to before we start breaking everybody down Mike the teams that I am shocked that are in this playoff bracket that I'm looking at right now, a team that had no home all year long, the Toronto Blue Jays. They didn't get to go back to Toronto because of what was going on. They were literally playing on the road the whole year. And then the Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals, teams that were decimated with COVID restrictions and COVID issues early in the season. What they had to do in order to get to the point where they played 58 games, the Cardinals, they were they almost made it back to 60. They played so many doubleheaders. And, and the fact that these teams were able to make it through their season and get into the playoffs is very impressive to me. So I just wanted to mention that I thought those three teams deserve just a little bit more of an applause for what a crazy year they had to deal with. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I've got some uh, quick hits before we get started as sure. well. But, you know, when you're talking about Toronto... They're a very fascinating team because, like you mentioned, they played 34 road games this year. And at first when I saw that, I was like, how did that? How does that add up right? And then I remembered kind of what happened at the beginning of the year. So just one of those years where there's going to be a lot of quirky things when historians look back. They're going to be asking a lot of why questions. Why did this happen? Why was it that way? Was Why was this unequal or uneven? So very strange year of overall. We'll get more about into Toronto in a moment. But, I mean, it's that ERA that stands out for me. And we'll we'll – Get into more details about that But when you see the ERA, it makes you wonder How the heck did they even get there Yep. Um, yeah, Miami, definitely props to them First time in 17 years to make it So. And, ha- and how about that the, the thing I was just listening to Buster Only talking a little bit before we record this Miami, is the Marlins have never lost a playoff series They've, made it, into, they've made it into the playoffs twice And they've Six won both o. years yep. And they've never made again <laughs> Swept their way through it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. So here are some interesting things to consider, Gino. Uh, with the advent of analytics and sabermetrics and advanced analytics, you kind of start 
hearing, you know, maybe pundits poo-poo, for example, on batting average. You know, batting average isn't all that it, that it was. ERA maybe isn't enough. I'm going to talk about each of those two metrics just for a quick second because maybe they're onto something when it comes to batting average because he had nine playoff teams enter with a batting average below 242 all the way down to 212 Cincinnati Reds and yep. we'll talk about that when like we talk about the series bad. they were one historically of the worst, bad worst batting average teams to get to get like ever let alone a team to make the playoffs exactly you probably have to get back to the 1800s to see mm-hmm. something that ridiculously low yep. Uh, on the flip side, though, I'm not ready to give up on ERA yet. I think it really is a very revealing statistic. Okay, the top seven teams in the National League, ERA-wise, all made it. Seven for seven. You, you just sort by ERA, mm-hmm. top seven NL teams made it. American League, similar. Top five teams made it. And usually it's like in the NL, the eighth team didn't, but then the ninth and tenth did. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like nine out of ten. Same thing with the American League. Very similar to that. So... ERA still rules, in my opinion. Um, and those are the tidbits that I kind of wanted to, to to harp on. I mean, four of the top, top five batting averages are sitting at home, yeah, team-wise, sitting at home, including my beloved Red Sox. So we knew that they were going to hit. We knew that pitching was going to be their issue. It was god-awful, so they didn't even get an eighth seed. But and that tells some, you quite a bit. I mean, some of the other teams, too, you think about, like, Washington, Philly, and the Mets— None of them, another year with no Bryce Harper You know, uh, a Mets team That you generally wants to think of themselves As a big club, they're not here, Washington Off of a year, they're not here, so Yeah, some, some teams that didn't make it Too, uh, also, you know, when you when you Look uh, up and down, and, and one of the yeah, teams and By the that, way, how many teams do you have to expand the format to To get Mike Trout in the playoffs? To get Trout, no, you're right, and the <laughs> Angels You know, I mean, they fired the their general manager And uh, they're, they're gonna do anything and everything That they could do, I feel sorry for uh, the, the owner, Moreno, because he spends a lot of money. It's it not a like money. They're going to be getting rid of the general manager and, and coming back with someone new, and they're they're trying to look around to see who can maybe help uh, put the puzzle together here. Because I mean, you think your your the weather, everything is it, perfect to draw people to come to L.A. to get free agents. You have Trout out here. You just need someone to make the right moves. They've they haven't made a lot of every like all of the non-Trout moves for them have not worked out well. Like everything yeah. they almost everything they do non trout like the pool holes one obviously was a little over the hill and we'll see with with Rendon they just haven't been able to get enough pitching in so um yeah it, it's crazy that we're 16 deep and we're not talking about the Angels the Nationals the Phillies the Mets any of them uh we will talk about 16 teams though and we'll get right into it let's jump on the American League side so the way that they, it's set up this year. The wild card series will be with the home team getting the advantage, and then we move to neutral sites following for the divisional series, the champion, the league championship series, and then for the World Series, which will be in Arlington. So um, I think L.A., San Diego, Arlington, and Houston are going to be some of the neutral sites in the in the the second, third, the divisional rounds, the championship rounds, and then for the World Series. And they'll have the opportunity to not have anybody playing with a home field advantage after round one. So it will just be completely neutral. We start with Tampa. And by the way, the round it, one advantage that you're talking about, it's actually an advantage plus. Yep. Because typically you have the advantage of, you know, two out of three, you know, are going to be played in your home ballpark. Right now, it's three out of three. All three. If it goes yep. all, all deep all the way through. And one more quick thing to mention, because I was asked the other day, how does that work then on a neutral site? 
and on neutral site, the home team gets to bat last. So if we get to, you okay. know, the NLCS, ALDS, World Series, whatever, the home team gets to bat last. That's going to be the, the, the only difference. difference between a home, yeah, home or road and designation. Probably where they sit on the dugout, they'll probably just, put, you know, Correct. stay in the same dugout size. Yeah. Correct. Okay, cool. So, yeah, lots of different things that we're going to be keeping an eye on this year. We'll start on the American League side. We've got the number one seeded Tampa Rays against the number eight seeded Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays were in the mix, but they struggled late because they weren't the eighth spot. But some of these teams towards the bottom had not played very well throughout September. The, the thing that is positive for them in a small series like this, it wouldn't be a shock to see Ryu and Walker come out and pitch very well in two games. And, and they could win too. I, I think. Almost any team wouldn't really shock me upsetting the team in these this small format. When we get through into the ALDS and ALCS, obviously, I think a lot of times the better team are going to win. But if you've got a pitcher or two, like the Blue Jays do, and if Ryu comes and gives you a good start, and he's able to give you a little bit better start and than than a Glass now and a Snell and a Morton could give you in their in their three, you know, I, there's a bridge here. Tampa is just so solid. Their bullpen. With their closer and with the amount of arms they can throw at you, Mike, they got seven or eight that they can consistently throw at you. And when you look at the teams, you look at every team in the playoffs, they are probably one of the more solid teams, top to bottom, in as far as pretty solid starting pitching, very good bullpen, and a really good lineup that gets timely hitting. So I'll, I'm going to stay chalky here. I'm going to move Tampa on. Yeah, I am as well. And I don't know if you've heard, but Charlie Montoya manager of the Rays, who, by the way, was has been with the uh, uh, sorry, the manager of the Blue Jays. He's been with the Rays forever. He was with them a year before they were even an expansion team managing their minor leagues because they had a minor league team to kind of build the, the farm for them uh, since 97. And they came in in 98. And as recently as 2018, he was their bench coach. So he's got a lot of insight into that organization and their manager and management and their ball players. However, he made a very interesting decision. He has decided not to go with Ryu in game one. He's decided to go with Matt Shoemaker. That's crazy. Which is a shocker to me. Yeah. Because I, I just took a quick peek before we came on here. This guy's started 18 games in the last three years. He's been very injury prone. 18 games in the last three years. Now, he does have one career postseason start, which was for the Angels, but back in 2014. And he had a nice start. Six innings, one run, I think, is a 1.5 ERA, something like that. Um, he only had – well, he did have three starts this year against the Rays. And maybe that's the, going the, into the thinking here, mm-hmm. perhaps, the familiarity. But, I mean, I'd say the familiarity, that's advantage Rays. Yeah. And, in my and opinion. So, Overall, yeah, so he had a 3-6 ERA against them this year. 15 innings pitched, 17 strikeouts. Um, wouldn't be my choice, but here's something that you're going to see throughout these series, Gino. You're going to see some managers make these strange decisions, and mm-hmm. here's why, especially without that last home game in a three-game series. Because if you lose game one with Ryu, what are you going to go back and tell your team? Yep. But if you lose game one with Shoemaker, then you can tell everybody, hey, we've got our ace tomorrow. We're good. Now, if you yeah, win and game then you one, got Walker on the now, back now end. Because, yeah, if you win game one, it's the flip side, right? Now, mm-hmm. we won game one. Now we're playing on house money, and we got our ace going tomorrow. Let's do this thing. Everybody believes, and they go close it out. You made a key point here, too, Mike. Of all of the eight series in the first round, this is the only one where the two teams have played each other this year. Interesting. 
Because nobody, if you look through every other, because remember, no regionals, huh? There, every yeah. other team only was playing their division, and they were playing the opposing division. And so none of the other matchups are divisional matchups. We got Houston, Minnesota, Chicago, Oakland, um, New York, Cleveland, not divisional hey, matchups. Right. Cincinnati, right. Atlanta. You know, so this is the only one where we can use. That's another wrinkle to this season. We've never had a baseball season where all of these teams didn't play each other. The only time we generally even use that is when we get to the World Series, and 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 now with the you know with interleague play, we even rarely we, we even a lot of times we'll see the teams in the World Series may have run into each other throughout the year. So that's what's fascinating about this year too is you know we don't have any sample size for how players at least in this round. You know you move on to the next round, you might get a you know a Rays Yankees or you know you might get something like that as teams move on. But in this first round, there's only one matchup, and it's this one right here. And they they now, could there did. be a second matchup? Could could Houston and Minnesota have played this year? No, because nobody played anybody. Oh, but because Houston's in the West now. I just yeah. forgot that they were in the West. I yeah, because nobody played that. anybody yeah. besides You're their right. division and yep. and the opposing division. So yep. um yeah, just a, just this one that one series. So that we'll both go a little chalky, especially and and that's big news now with uh, Matt Shoemaker versus Blake Snell game one, and it's Hinjin Ryu versus Tyler Glass now game two there. Yeah, and but, look, they have depth, crazy pitching depth. And if not, they got a great bullpen. I mean, this Nick Anderson guy that they got from Florida, from Miami, I mean, he was just lights out, man. 19 uh, games played, 16 and a third innings pitch, 26 strikeouts, a .55 ERA and a .49 whip. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. The MLB.com ranked um, every team's um, in the playoffs, 1 through 16, on their offense, their starting pitching, their bullpen, their uh, defense, I think there were four or five categories that they ranked. The Rays were first in starting rotation and in bullpen. Wow. <laughs> going, into the, going into the playoffs, I mean, when you have three starters like they do at the top of the line, even if they didn't pitch as great this year, it doesn't matter with that bullpen. So we move on from the 1-8 hey, Can series. I give a couple of really Please quick do. bullet points? I know we yeah. want to move off. No, no, series. absolutely. Go ahead. I want to give props to somebody, and he is, I believe he's now officially or unofficially the, the Blue Jays' closer and that's Rafael Delis. This is a great story, Gino, because he had not played since a 2013 season with the Cubs. I know there's a pitcher, that last pitch for the Red Sox, uh, Daniel Bard, and then came up with the Rockies after X many years. But 2013, I mean, that's really, really amazing. And he had a really nice season and great. earned the closer's role. So that's a very cool story. You always like to root with... for people like that. Yeah, it's, it's I love very that easy kind of to root stuff. for and to, and to root for that kind of success there. So exactly, you know. The, and this is. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just you know, go ahead. No, the, and you can yeah. piggyback on it too. Yeah, go go for it. And I'll, I'll close after you. Okay, I was just going to say the other thing that that um, I think is worthy of of standing out or pointing out. You, you talked about the the rankings offensively, pitching, relief pitching, all the way across the board. They've been really, really good. Tampa, that is, they also got had 48 steals, which is pretty much at the tops. Mm-hmm. 50 steals was was the most in the American League. They had 48, which actually ranked them fourth because there was a couple teams tied with 49. And then there's a huge drop off after after 48. I mean, it goes down to in the 30s or something like that. So they're they far and away baseball. one of the better athletic teams. Yeah, and I mean overall in baseball too. But I mean, I was looking at the American League, but if you sort by MLB, they're uh, just a good, fast, athletic team. Yep, and and this is a good spot, even if Toronto just loses two games, because I think I, I I had heard they don't have one player on their team with over ten years of experience in the in the big leagues, and they are so young. 
You know, this would be great just for Guerrero and Biggio and Bichette and a lot of their young kids there to get a little bit of experience, even in a different kind of playoff format like this. I got a feeling in this next matchup that you and I are both going to go on the same side here. This is the the four or five matchup between the Yankees and the (laughs) Indians. And you know what? I think the Indians are going to beat them in this series. I I, I do. I I really think that the Yankees pitching in this short series after Cole – are you going to be able to keep up with Cle- with what Cleveland's got? And, hey, you know what? Cole's going to have to go out and go against Beaver. They're going to cancel each other out. Now you're going to have a Yankees team that, I, I mean, I think Cleveland wins this. I really do. I, I thought the Yankees were, would, be, would have been a better regular season team, and they did have a ton of injuries to deal with. I'm not going to say that they didn't. They did. I just don't like this spot for them. I think even mentally – if they would have lined up against the Twins, if they would have lined up against the A's, the Whites, almost any other team on in the American League, I feel like they would have been okay against. I just don't think Cleveland is scared of them, and I think Cleveland is going to come right at them pitching. The only thing is Cleveland is pretty awful offensively, to be honest. They really don't have much, but in a seven-game series, I don't know if Cleveland would be able to score enough runs. In a three-game series where they have to win two, could they get a couple big hits from Ramirez and Lindor enough to win? I think so. I'm taking the Indians here over the Yankees. I'm taking the Indians as well. There's a couple of key statistics that I think need to be pointed out. One is that Cleveland is a superb home team, as most of these, most of the teams in this tournament are. But the Yankees are a really bad road team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only won 11 out of 29 and the road games. splits show that. With yes. their pitching splits yes. and their hitting splits. It's like night and day. Averages, home runs. I read somewhere uh, that... Of the the biggest splits in, in like baseball history in recent history, the last twenty of them, nineteen of them were the Colorado Rockies, and the twentieth was this year's Yankees. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised because they I mean, they played really well at home and they played really poorly on the road. You know, especially I mean, you have guys that are winning batting titles and home run titles over in New York, but I think they're just taking advantage of that short left field porch, uh, right field porch. I'm not saying they're they're getting cheap home runs or whatnot, but they're smart. They know how to play in their stadium. It's mm-hmm. like guys that know how to play pepper off of the green monster and get a lot of doubles. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just part of knowing your home ballpark. And uh, those guys are tailor-made for that stadium and uh, not really for anywhere else. I agree with you. I think if they'd matched up with a team where they could just go bombs away and win a bunch of 15 to 12 games, you know, like a Red Sox-Yankees series or something like that, yeah, advantage Yankees. When you're facing a good pitching team, and they're not just good, they're they have the best ERA, team ERA in the American League. Absolutely excellent. And this so, is the team that gave away Clevenger, and they're yeah, still excellent. Yeah, they, have, they have an abundance <laughs> of pitching that they could give away one of their best pitchers. And then the, the last thing I'm going to say is that I like rolling with hot teams. Cleveland won eight out of their last 10, nine out of their last 11. Mm-hmm. Yankees were lukewarm, won four out of their last 10. And uh, you're talking about hitting for the Indians. They've got good hitters. They just didn't put up a lot of numbers this year. But Jose Ramirez in September, he got hitter of the month in American League, batted 366 in September with 10 home runs, 24 RBIs in a uh, short month. So the, the let's see how they keep rolling. The combination of the Cleveland catchers, too, they're one of the worst ever hitting. But as far as behind the plate, they are some of the best Catchers in baseball and you have Three of them together and that's why The pitching staff is so good when 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 I see that I really think that they'll be able to attack This Yankees lineup with a bunch Of really smart minds Who know how to go after them 
I think this is a great matchup for Cleveland. We're yeah, and if, and if there wasn't enough things going for Cleveland in terms of momentum and being hot, how about this? Sandy Alomar, props to him. He's done a fantastic job taking over. But it sounds like Tito Martina, uh, Tito Francona is going to be back um, in, in the saddle. A little pick-me-up, too. Team. So that would be a great, huge pick-me-up for the team. We move on to the bottom half of the American League bracket, and uh, this is a strange one, too. When you come into this year, you probably expected to see the the – the Astros and uh, the Yankees, you know, one, two seeds or, or towards the top. They both really struggled throughout the season. I think the Astros went 10 and 17 in September, and they actually had an opportunity in the last weekend to not make the playoffs. If the Angels would have beaten the Dodgers in three games, and as a Dodger fan, I'm sitting there going, should the Dodgers just lay down here to screw the Astros over after what they did to us? You know, but they, yeah. they still needed to, to lose to the Rangers three times. So, um, you know, it, it would have been. And, who who knows who cares for the Dodgers But Twins-Astros is an interesting series here We get the Kenta-Maeda revenge game right off the bat If it weren't for for uh, the great year of Bieber Maeda would have been right there for some Cy Young um, You know, he, he had an excellent year You have Maeda, you have Berrios You have Pineda, who looks like he would be slotted three Rich Hill's actually been pitching really well for them They have a good lineup They've now what I like is they've sort of they've been here with this group now. They got beat up by the Yankees last year. Maybe it's a little bit of the I don't want the Astros to win here too, but when we look at this Astros team, their pitching is not good. Their bullpen is not great. Even at the back of their bullpen, it's been it's been like subpar at best. And all of their hitters, we looked this year, almost every one of them had a down year. It's amazing when you don't know what's what's coming. Uh and I mean, I couldn't I wouldn't be shocked to see them you know, Springer have a big series Or it wouldn't be a shock to see them win I just haven't seen it this year I'm not gonna, I don't really trust what we've been seeing from Granky. Is it gonna be Framber Valdez in game two And then a bunch of guys who are gonna be pitching in the biggest moments of their life Give me the Twinkies here This is an interesting series, like you said And there's a lot of reasons for that On paper, well, let's go back I don't remember which of our shows we did our baseball preview on But these were two teams uh, that I had taking a step back. Mm-hmm. You okay. did. We both did. Houston we both thought as... the Astros might not have made the playoffs, and in a regular playoff format, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. Exactly right. Now, I thought Minnesota was vulnerable, and that's why I, I thought it was a perfect opportunity to take a long shot, as did you, because you took the White Sox. Well, I mm-hmm. guess they weren't really a huge long shot, but, I mean, they weren't the, the expected winner necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I took a team that's not even in there, the, the Royals, which is, you know, whatever. I mean, that's... That's kind of the, the nature of making long shot type of predictions. But what I will say is the reason that I pegged them as a vulnerable favorite, Gino, is because I just thought that they were more of a one trick pony with their, you know, it just bashing home runs and that's about it. But man, I got to give them credit, man. Where I was dead wrong was about their pitching. Yep. Their pitching did get better. They were uh, third in the American League in ERA, mm-hmm. 3.58. So, you know, they, they really turned it on. Barrios is a good starter. Maeda is a good starter, like you mentioned. Overall, I mean, they had great, you know, Barrios had a good season, not a great season. Maeda had a great season. But overall, top to bottom, their pitching staff has been very, very solid. A uh, couple of quick stats. Uh, the first one is Minnesota is a very slow team. There's a bunch of Nelson Cruz's and catcher type guys. 14 team steals. Ouch. Yeah. Kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh and we could probably guess who are the, the guys that stole a bulk of those. So I always like to look at that because, you know, the Dave Roberts situation, right, where it's a very tight game. You need that run. Can you manufacture it 
a la Dave Roberts winning that's helping set up the stages to win that series for the Red Sox, ultimately going to the World Series because of that. So I like to look at those kind of things. Something's got to give, though, Gito, because yep. Houston, cheating or not, they've got winning experience in the postseason. Minnesota is the exact opposite 100%. of what you just said about the Marlins. They're 0 for their last 16 playoff games. Yep. 0 for their last 16. That means they've just been swept all over the place. Because of that, because of the experience for the Astros, I'm taking the Astros in an upset. In the 3-6 series, Mike's going with Houston. I'm going with the Twinkies. Mike, this was a good segue to talk about our next series because another team that we wouldn't immediately feel like they haven't had a lot of postseason success, but when you break down their last 15 or 20 years, the A's don't win in the playoffs. They get there, but they never win. They've been in the wild card uh, spot over and over again in the one game where they've lost. They've been um they haven't won a series in a while now. They're going to be in a 2-7 matchup with the White Sox who are sort of one of the the Cinderella teams this year. They weren't a huge huge shock cuz they made some really good baseball moves and they're just a talented baseball team. It's not that, you know, it just we we didn't know if it would come all to come together for them so quickly and especially in a shortened year like this. But they do have some good top of the line starting pitching. Both of these teams have really really good bullpens. I feel like the A's are just a better team when you look at it uh, just a little bit better. But but I you know I like this is a fun matchup for baseball fans like the 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 normal person that's like a novice baseball fan that doesn't really love like know the game that well is probably gonna be like oh A's White Sox I probably couldn't name five guys on either of these teams but if you watch baseball there's a lot of talented players on these two teams the way that they have built their teams is very interesting to me so I'm intrigued in this series especially as someone who picked the White Sox and was high on them this year I just I don't like the way they were playing towards the end of the season that bothers me a little bit too and I, I wonder if they might be in a situation where they're sort of like Hey, we're kind of happy to be here. We're sort of a year ahead of schedule, um, but small series. They if they have Giolotto and Keuchel come out and throw really well for them, they can they can keep it with the A's. If the A's get through this, I think they'll probably beat whoever they face in the next round because they're pitching. That's that's when their pitching and their bullpen depth will be able to shine a little bit more in a short series. They are not going to really be able to abuse it as much. A's were uh, my World Series Mm -hmm. participant from the American League. I'm I'm sticking to that prediction from before the season started. I love this team. This is a very fascinating series because I love series where you have a lot of conflicting uh, conflicting stats where something's got to give, right? You mentioned uh, the White Sox poor play as of late. You're right. They've won two out of their last 10 ball games. And if you look at the season in terms of three months, partial July, an entirety of August and a kind of a partial September, most mostly full September. Really, it was August that um, did all the damage for the White Sox. They were 19 and nine in August. That's what got 10 games over. They finished 10 games over in the season, 10 games over in the month of August. That got them there. They're cold lately, like we've both mentioned right now. What's going to give though? They're 14 and 0. Perfect record against left-handed starting pitching. pitchers. That's an yeah, incredible it's an stat. Incredible number. Even so in a what, small what, so sample what does size, do? that's phenomenal. It yeah. is phenomenal. So what do the A's do? They tried out a lefty in game one. Yep. They made the decision <laughs> to go with Lazardo, yep. and I uh, I like it. He, you know, he he. no game is too big for him. If you recall last year, he'd only pitched like 12 innings or something like that in the regular season, and they brought him into the wild card game, and he had three innings pitched and only gave up one hit, zero runs. 
he was lights out in in the short you know stint that he had in the postseason. I think they used him as a game starter, uh, but don't pull me on that. I know he pitched three innings in that game, regardless. Um, it's the it's the ace bullpen though, man. Yeah, two seventy two ERA and baseball savant. When you look at their analytics, their expected weight on base percentage is in the ninety ninth percentile. Their whiff percentage ninety fourth. Their strikeout percentage in the 98th percentile. Their fastball spin. Uh, their expected velo. Their expected ERA. Their X batting average. All ridiculously good. Uh, the thing I like about the A's door are some late moves that they made to get some veterans to help them be able to get through and navigate through a loss to be able to come back and get a win. Guys like Lestella and Lamb. I think will be very helpful. Lamb and I'm going to throw out two wild cards. I mean, yes. Lamb has been awesome, awesome. filling, filling awesome. in for Chapman. Absolutely. So I'm going to give you two wild cards, one for each from each team, okay? Marcus Simeon had an MVP-like season in 2019. He has not backed that up in 2020, but he's a pending free agent. So this is a second season for a lot of these guys. It's like erase the bad season you had, whether you're Christine Yelich or whomever star, whichever star didn't do well. This is an opportunity to create another season to be remembered for. The other one will be forgotten if you do well here. I think this is a perfect opportunity for Simeon, who's going to be going into his free agent offseason, to be able to make something of this 2020 season. I think if he hits, they keep winning. They'll ride his coattails because he had a lot of guys that were like high 190s, low 200s batting average. I know they could hit some home runs, and that's kind of the formula for the A's, but they need Simeon to be the guy that he was last year if they're going to make a deep run. Exactly right. Uh, One wild card for the White Sox. Not a lot of people are going to know this name, but remember this name because this is going to be a superstar in the making. Garrett Crochet. Okay. He was the 11th overall pick in this year's draft, 2020. 11th overall pick. He got called up. Pitched the last, he pitched five games, most of them in the last two weeks. All of them, really, in the last two weeks, okay? Six innings pitched, eight strikeouts, zero walks, no runs, three hits, 45 pitches over 100 miles an hour. So I'm predicting that this guy, if they win, it's going to be because, if the White Sox go far, it's going to be, I'm going to remind you of secret weapons that have been called in. Some of these have been high draft picks. Uh, Frankie Rodriguez, Efrod, yep. first, yep. right? Yep. Uh, yeah, Erod, Price, uh, David Price, Levon Hernandez, Dontrell Willis. These are all names of guys that played for, like, you know, I don't want to say inferior teams, but the long shot. Every single mm-hmm. one of these guys came in for the team that's supposed to lose, had a lights out series, and got them to the next series. It's like, there's not enough film on them yet, quite. You know, yeah. they have, we, people haven't I mean, gotten just drafted, enough, uh, you know, bats on ago. them to understand their weaknesses. And then we see these players sometimes after another year or two, they're never quite as dominant. But when you don't know someone yet, it's just the, the, it's such a unique surprise, you know, the element of surprise to, to spring on someone. So, oh, yeah. They, and they, imagine they, what he would have had to have done at that alternate site. To get called up get called so quickly up for them to go, draft. this guy's ready right now. Absolutely. That's unbelievable. That's phenomenal. So uh, on the American League side, um, give me, I'm going to have Tampa against Cleveland there. 
And, uh, you know, getting into the ALDS, I think Tampa's just going to be a little bit too tough. I believe they were my World Series pick against uh, with the Dodgers from the very beginning of the season. And so I will pick Tampa to get through against the Indians. For me, I would have the Twins against the A's. And I do just think the A's, pitching-wise, bullpen-wise, depth-wise. I'm going to put the two teams, and I'll be a little chalky in the American League side. Because to me, the two teams that are just have the most arms, and they're very similarly built. Honestly, when you look at them, really they remind are. they remind me a lot of each other. The A's and the Rays. Yeah, they're mirror images of each other, and uh, you know, there's not a lot for me to elaborate on. It's exact same blueprint as uh, what you just laid out. Tampa beats Cleveland. The only distinction that we have is that the A's, instead of beating the Twins like you've got, I have the A's beating the Houston Astros in a division matchup. I think everybody will be rooting for the small market A's to beat the evil, cheating <laughs> Astros. <laughs> uh, so, so you're going to get an ALCS of Tampa and the A's. I believe you have Tampa advancing, at least before the season started, if I remember correctly. Yep, I did. I've got yep. the A's advancing to make it as the AL representative in the World Series. Yep, yep, yep. So we move on to the National League side. And how about the Brewers finishing under 500? And they sneak in on the last day when there were a few different teams who had opportunities to get in. Uh, the Brewers are sort of the Brewers that you you we we remember now uh, because their bullpen is back to being very good. They have a two headed monster, a rookie that came up, and then the hater who we knew. And those two at the back end of the bullpen, if they could get like four innings out of them, that would be the template for winning games against the Dodgers. And you know if you're able to get Woodruff. In you know, in one of your one of your games to come up with a really good start, I think what hurts them, the Brewers, really again having to try to, to beat a team like the Dodgers is that they don't have Burns. If they had Burns and they were able to match up, you know, Burns and Woodruff would give them two good starters to try to get some innings to get into their bullpen. I just don't know if if they're going to be able to do enough in the non-Woodruff game to keep the Dodgers' bats down. So for me, I, I think the Dodgers win this series. But as a fan, you know, we've, know, uh, we've, we've heard that it's going to be Walker Bueller starting game one, Clayton Kershaw starting game two. As a fan, this three-game series against whoever it was terrifies me. And it's scary when there's a team like the Brewers who, was undef- who, who had a bad year. They probably never thought they were going to make the playoffs. They were under 500. You, you're, I'm sure you're going to mention what a horrible... Really down year that Yelich had And all they have to do is get hot and play one good series And they're on in the second round That That is a little bit scary Yeah, I mean, look I, I uh, Obviously you're going to have the Dodgers advance here The Brewers were one of the worst offensive teams uh, In recent memory Definitely the worst offensive team in the team's uh, Fairly long history Their uh, bullpen is, is, is where it's at That's their team strength Devin Williams really came on Was ridiculous all season long uh, he was the NL reliever of the month in September. Here are some season stats on on Williams. Okay, he faced a hundred hitters this year. He struck out fifty three of them. It's like it's just like think about that for a second. Like little league baseball out of a hundred. Yeah, this is the major leagues. He only gave up eight hits to those guys. So if we just do some basic math, if they if he would have given up ten hits, that's a one hundred average. So we're talking eight hits, .08. Point zero. Point it's so hard because you never even say it, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's unbelievable. It's actually zero point eighty average. Phenomenal. Right? Uh, one earned run out of those hundred hitters. He did give, and that was on a home run. His strikeout rate, though, is what's really ridiculous: seventeen point six seven Ks per nine innings. So this dude's the real deal. Is the batting average against him? The ERA against him is very microscopic. The WHIP 
microscopic. This guy, you don't want to get to him if you're the Dodgers. And I don't think they will because this is the NL tops in runs, home runs, second at OPS. They could do it all. I hate saying this is this the Dodger team that lost to the Astros a few years ago uh, felt like the best Dodger team that I can remember. This team feels better. Uh, they they really do. They may, they may be like one sort of maybe one starter short, but if you're getting like anything decent from Urias, Gonsolin, and May, that's not a bad three, four, and five. It's really not with as good as Bueller when he's when he's is when he's his A game. He's as good as any pitcher in baseball. He'll give you as good of a game. And you know we've talked about you mentioned it a few times on the Mike Abadir show. What a great job Clayton Kershaw has done reinventing himself again this year. The bullpen to me feels deeper than any bullpen they've had on these runs. Where you know you do still have a worry here and there about Kenley, but when if you really dug into Kenley's stats over the last couple of years. They're pretty absurd in the playoffs. He, you know, he, people give him a lot of crap, but he's had a 1.5 ERA and a 122 batting average against over 20 over his last 29 playoff innings. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of Mariano esque to be it honest. It is, and so you know, Dodger fans get nervous because he's blown a couple games. When you've been to the World Series back to back years and you pitch in a lot of playoff games, you're gonna blow some. Period. It's just inevitable. So yeah, I. You know, can't couldn't be more confident in this team going into the playoffs. The only thing that scares me is just the format. It's just, man, could you if something happens and Bueller is, is just not has a bad first inning and the Dodgers are down three nothing right away, then you get used to start getting nervous going, uh oh. You know, and then, and then it, and that's when it starts moving in everybody's head. But when you look through this Dodgers lineup, I mean, and with you know, Mookie, you're you're forgetting that this is a da- the same Dodgers team that we've had, you know, in, in years past, but you throw in Mookie Betts, a guy who's done it, who's won it, who's been there, and who will produce in pressure moments. And he he just honestly, Mike, I gotta say, he's been better than I would have even expected as a Dodger fan, knowing how good he was. He's been even better. Yeah, I mean, he this guy's gonna bring an MVP level play year in year out. I mean, he's game one of those guys. Out. That was the first thing he did when he came into the clubhouse. He had he in spring training. He walked up. And he talked to the whole team and said, I'm going to hold myself accountable every day in spring training, every inning, everything we do. I want all of you to do the same for me, and I will do that for you, too, if you want me to. And they all looked around each other and said, what the hell are we supposed to say? No? You know what I mean? Like, this guy who's come in already with his with his resume and who's already won, and he comes in here and he tells us he wants us to hold him accountable? Holy crap, of course, yeah. you know? He, That's he leadership. Just, it's, it's incredible. And, and they love him, and... um. I mean, he he's had an, an unbelievable impact. I hope he is the missing link and maybe the uh, the X factor that can get the Dodgers to the promised land this year. So we're both Dodgers moving on in the one eight series and uh, the four five series. Again, a team that we applaud because they had to play their September was unlike it was a September unlike any team has ever had or will ever had have in history. The St. Louis Cardinals with all the double headers, the makeups, everything they had to deal with, and a team that I got to give you major props on. You were very high on the Padres coming into this year. They were excellent. If they would, they're probably the second best team, and they're the fourth seed in the National League because the Dodgers are the one seed and they have the division winners as the two and the three seeds. But this is a really good baseball team. The only the the only problem with the Padres right now is they have a couple major major question marks. Mike Clevenger, Daniel Sinlamet, 
two top tier starting pitchers We don't really even know right now As of we're recording this If we're going to or when we're going to see them Now, even without those two They could still bring in Paddock and Davies That's that's a fine, fine next one-two for your games But if you add those two with the Lamette and uh, Clevenger And you're able to get those four guys out there that is what makes this Padres team Maybe as good as anyone In here, and I think even The Dodgers, they've showed they could play right with the Dodgers It's just going to be such a Question mark if if Or how much we'll be able to see those two I pretty much Agree with everything you just said um, the, the only disappointing thing is That if uh, they win this series And the Dodgers win as they, yeah. uh, they're expected To do, that they're going to face each other in the next Round, and that's kind of unfortunate In Arlington, wouldn't that be funny? Dodgers parlays Padres in Arlington, Yeah, <laughs> it just seems Weird, yeah, <laughs> I mean it just To, to me it's, uh, it's a shame when you have The top two teams eliminating one another uh, And it's not In the quest for the World Series The series to get you there But uh, with that said, yeah, I mean St. Louis, you know, they're the worst hitting home run team in the majors, uh, their their batting average was dismal. It's a huge accomplishment, just the adversity that they faced just to be able to get to the playoffs. So, you know, great for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just too much firepower for the Padres pitching aside. I mean, they're third in the National League in runs behind the, uh, the Braves and the Dodgers, third in home runs behind the same two teams. Fourth at OPS. I think the Mets sneak in there with uh, some great hitting from uh, Robinson Cano and a couple of guys that weren't necessarily expected to be phenomenal for the Mets this year. And uh, they're tops in steals, tops in the majors, 55 stolen bases. So this team is athletic. They could run. They can manufacture runs. They can hit home runs. Uh, Manny Machado played at the Manny Machado level that uh, level. many expected him to. It's definitely his best season since mm-hmm. he's uh, made the move to he San Diego. Like he likes it there and they like him. Yes. You know what I mean? He feels like he gets along really well with Tatis and they like each other and they're high five, you know, and it's like there's just a good, it, you know, and, and that that's a, a major positive. He's playing at that level because they did get, a, and, and it this happens, Tatis and, um, and Hosmer did struggle a little bit. In the last, you know, three to three weeks to a month. Sure, sure. Uh, but Machado, pick, Machado picked up the slack. He did. Seemed he like did. every other time he came up with the bases loaded, he either got a double or a home run. He so played I mean, well against yeah, the Dodgers, I mean, he was too. On fire. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's interesting because in these two first series that we talked about, the National League, you arguably have, you know, four out of the top five hitters in the National League when yeah. you're talking about Mookie and Bellinger, Tatis and Machado, uh, and Yelich. Yeah, I mean that's five guys right there. The only other person that I'd throw in in the National League would be Soto, um, yeah. maybe Freeman or Acuna, Acuna. But those are those are the, those right there are the top hitters in the American League and amongst the top hitters in the major leagues. And uh, so that's going to be the one exciting thing once we get to the Dodgers and the Padres because that's how it's going to shape out, in my opinion. And a little shout to that revamped Padres bullpen. You know, we figured it would be Kirby Yates. And early on, their bullpen was horrible. Yates got hurt. He's done for the year. What did they do? They brought in Rosenthal. They've got Pomeranz and then Austin Adams. That's not bad at the back end of the bullpen for a team that had a bad bullpen early. They have been much improved. And I think they were one of the best bullpens in baseball in all of September. So I'm expecting it to be Dodgers Padres in round two. I'm going to pick the Padres to get through here. How about this? The Marlins, the Marlins and the Cubbies. And again, uh, 
you know, big shout to the Marlins, Donnie Baseball. He's got to be manager of the year, getting this Marlins team to uh, to the playoffs. And the Cubs. I know. I think we were both down on the Cubs this year. If you would have told me the Cubs are the three seed in the National League and they're in the playoffs, I wouldn't have been shocked. And I would have assumed, oh, okay, Baez had a great year, right? Bryant, Rizzo, they all bounced back. They hit a, they hit three hundred tons of home runs. No, it was the opposite. They didn't hit it all. They did not hit it all. It was they were they were led here on the backs of you, Darvish, Hendricks, um, a pretty good, solid pitching staff throughout, a better than expected bullpen, and honestly, probably a division that was not very good. Really, no. I've been told the, the what the Reds have done over the last couple of weeks. Nobody had a good, really a good year. Yet we're gonna have the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Cubs. And the Reds all make it, which is hilarious. And they all had what didn't feel like great years. The Cubs, the three seed, the Marlins, the six seed. Um, I just the Marlins have s- some top level starting pitching, but it's funny when you know I was talking about some of the ranks that uh that MLB.com was doing with you know just the the different like sets of you know, offense and. And uh, you know lineup and and pitching staff and this and that and um, in in like four of them the Marlins were ranked 16th 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 and 14th. <laughs> it was just like they just don't. It's it's crazy that they're here, but when you really dig into what they do well, they are just they they have enough starting pitching and sort of a hodgepodge of veterans that have given them you know a big hit here and there. To get them to win enough games to get here They don't feel like a very good baseball team It would be amazing if they were able to, to get through And just to move on to the second round But I I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough runs On on Darvish and Hendricks to do so I'm taking the upset here I am do taking it. the Marlins I, love it. Do I am it. taking the Marlins And here's why It's very hard for me to take a team Where you have Schwarber Who hit 188 Baez 203 Bryant 206 Rizzo, 222. Those are their best hitters, and all were terrible this year. You just look at the wars. Look at any metrics you want. They were garbage, okay? Their their best hitters, batting average-wise, were Billy Hamilton and Jason Hayward, Cameron Maven. Those are the top three hitters, and I'm talking about Maven, batted 250. So those are some of your best batting averages on the team. I mean— the it's Mets, unbelievable. The Nationals and the Phillies feel that much worse that this team is in the playoffs and not them. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's got to. I mean, of players. Yeah, it's really I mean, it's, got to. From their COVID, they started, they had to start an unbelievable amount of different pitchers just because they had so many players coming in. They have the worst run differential in their division <laughs> and they get in. And. They, it's funny, like, you know, reading through a couple different things, the Marlins have been shut out on offense, um, have been shut out as often as any offense in baseball. They're a team with, this is from ESPN, they're a team with no clear cut offensive strength, just a bunch of veteran types who put up just enough tallies to give the pitching staff a chance on most nights. But this is a good matchup for them. This is a good matchup for them because the Cubs have not been a, a potent offense throughout. In game one, it's going to be Sandy Alcantara. He, very, very capable, and they have a two and a three. That you know, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez, those aren't household names. 
But they're very quality starting pitching In a small series, they could do this I probably wouldn't, you know, in in any other series I would say, Mike, you're crazy I don't think you're crazy And I thought long and hard about picking them over them too I just, I I feel like the Cubs I'll probably get a little bit more from a I just feel like a Baez or a Rizzo One of those guys will probably step up and have a good series Versus, you know, compared to the seasons that they had But this one would not shock me, Mike And this isn't, to me, this is an intriguing series well, it's only it's the only matchup, like you kind of hinted at or pointed out, that I would take the Marlins in. Mm-hmm. If they were in any other series, I would not. A couple of things to keep, uh, keep in mind. If you ask me, well, why the Marlins? I kind of went over wh- why the Cubs, I think, are going to lose it more than the Marlins are going to win it necessarily. Yeah. But there's a couple other things to look at, too, which is the Marlins really throughout the season have played fairly well consistently throughout. It's not like they were a team that just is riding off the coattails of a very hot start or a, or a hot finish. Throughout the whole year, they were they were in the 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 playoff, you know, field. You know, they played well enough throughout, and I think they got more and more confidence as the season went on. They also had some adversity, just like the Cardinals, like you mentioned, and um, because of that, they ended up playing 34 road games, and their road record is actually better than the Cubs' home record by one win. But it's still better. Still, absolutely still better. So I mean, this is a team that that's not worried about going on the road. They've got absolutely nothing to lose. And let me ask you, who's the pressure on here? One hundred percent, the Cubs. Look at all those huge contracts that they have. And they've Could got you imagine a lot of. If they lose to this no-name Marlins. A lot team? of balls up in the air for what's going to be happening next year with some of their big-name players with contracts and stuff moving forward. We've been hearing rumblings about you know Brian Rizzo and uh, you know Baez for a while about maybe trades or this and that. So. Yeah, they, they. it's weird because as a Cubs fan, you probably feel really good about where you are. We overachieved. We've got a Marlins team. This is, We're on the bottom side of the bracket that, that you know, we're, we're away from what looks like the Dodgers and probably the Padres, the two best teams in the National League. And so you feel confident about it. It's amazing how it feels like what happened with the Clippers. It's like you lose that first game and everything changes. Everything. You lose that first game and all of a sudden you're going, oh my god, we had a good year this year, but now could you? What if we lose to the Marlins in this? Then what's going to happen? You know, you start playing that game with yourself, and it. I like this. It's a, it's a fun matchup. It's fun. It is a fun matchup. And really one is. other thing that's fun, if you've noticed throughout, I've been talking about team athleticism, team speed, things of that nature. Marlins have been able to steal some bases. They're uh, second behind the Padres in the major leagues and steals with 51. So they've got a lot of team speed. You can manufacture some runs with them. They got some decent hitters too, like Jesus Aguilar. I mean, just a couple of years ago, he was an all-star, and he kind of came back to that all-star type form this year. Had a very nice season. Brian Anderson is a really nice athletic guy. Could play at outfield. Could play at third base. Um, and and they have some veterans like uh, Jonathan Villar, uh, you know, Miguel Rojas, uh, call-ups like Jazz Chaz. Chisholm home who did not play well in the short stint that he came up, but this guy's got loads of talent. And sometimes you could really establish your lore when you get into the postseason and you just start banging a la Miguel Cabrera when he first started 17 years ago when they swept their way through until the World Series. Unfortunately, we're not going to see a sweep this go around for the Marlins like Miguel Cabrera saw. But they're going to win this series against the Cubs I haven't seen the starters listed But I'd, I'd imagine, for the Cubs at least I'd imagine it's got to be uh, Darvish and, and Hendricks 1-2 
um, you'd imagine with, with those two. Um, we move on to the bottom series, the bottom series in the uh, National League bracket, the two seven. It's going to be the Braves versus the Cincinnati Reds. Mike, the uh, Reds and the White Sox were the two teams that I was pretty high on to begin the year. And it's funny, they're both in the seven spot. And the team that I actually think has an opportunity to make it to the National League Championship Series here is the Cincinnati Reds. Now, they're pitching, it's, it's, they they have a very similar template to the Washington Nationals from last year. They have three very good starting pitchers, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray. That is as good as any. Now, you mentioned how bad their batting average was. They hit 212. They were one of the most extreme offensive teams in the history of baseball. You dig into the numbers a little bit though, based on the quality of their contact, they should have hit 242. So, maybe, you know, things Went a little on the wrong side for them early Started to even out for them late as they won games And if if they hit more like a 240 team Than a 212 team To where they get a little more contact They're not just needing home runs to win I think they win this series I think whoever wins this series Wins the next series too Because you know we're talking about the, the Cubs, Marlins As a series that we don't think is that strong You're picking the Marlins And I thought it really could go either way I think Cincinnati wins this series. I think they win the next series, and I think they're playing the Dodgers in the National League Championship. You know, the the reason that they are a more credible playoff contender than the other teams that have really poor batting averages like like the uh, like the Cardinals, like the Brewers, etc., or the Cubs, is because they've got some serious home run power on um, the Cubs name wise. They do, but it didn't manifest itself in very this true ca- uh, season. So the reds, I mean, they hit 90 home runs, right? And if outside of the, the Braves and the Dodgers, those are the only two teams that cleared a hundred nineties um, is right there amongst uh, the NL leaders, you know, right behind the Padres at 95. So I believe that they were fourth in the national league in home runs. So they can, they can bash, they could drive in some runs, uh, don't have a ton of team speed, but they've got some really good hitters. I, I was very surprised to see that it was a 212 batting average. I, I really don't understand how they batted 212, yeah. especially with some of the guys that they have in their lineup. I'm sure some guys, most guys, probably had a career worse batting average this past season for them. But once again, if you're a good hitter, this is your opportunity to kind of reset and come in here. And I think the Braves. They've done a great job just to get into the playoffs with how many, I believe they went through five starting pitchers who've landed on the DL. So, I mean, they're really, really thin on starting pitching. And I think, unfortunately, if they're fully loaded, I would say that this team would give even the Dodgers a run for their money. But when you have so many guys who have had just nasty injuries, Achilles tears and shoulder issues and elbow issues and you name it, uh, you're now on your, you know, you've got a bunch of number fives basically pitching for them. I can't see how they would win a playoff series unless everybody is just on fire hitting wise. And Which that's a hard thing to do against the Reds. difficult against this, this pitching staff. Exactly right. right. It's a hard thing to do against these Reds. So I, like you, have the Reds advancing in this series. Yeah, and so, um, you know, moving on, I would pick the Dodgers over the Padres in what I think would be a very good Either six or seven or no, that would be a five game in the divisional. So I think that would go, you know, it would be a very, very good five. And then in the championship series, I would pick the Dodgers over the Reds. And for me, it's going to be Dodgers over the Rays, which was, you know what, like, and I'm sure you'll probably do similar. You had Dodgers A's. I don't have a whole lot of reason to change that based on what I thought. 
the the what what we thought about the, the teams coming in for me, the Dodgers and the Rays have come true. I'm sure you probably feel very similar about the Dodgers and the A's because the A's and the Rays going into the last week were battling for the one seed pretty much all throughout the year. It was really these two teams on the American League side that were the best, and the Dodgers were. You know, pretty much head and shoulders above everybody else on the National League side. So I think the Padres will get a lot of great experience playing in a playoff series against a team like the Dodgers. And I just feel like this, there's been so many weird things with the playoff struggles for the Dodgers. And who knows, you know, with the stuff, the cheating teams that they've had to, to run into or team or teams or whatever. This this would be the type of year in a weird 2020 shortened season that feels like it should be a Dodger year to just get the monkey off their back and and to say okay now we got this franchise with a ton of young talent and Mookie Betts moving forward and now on our for for a franchise there would just be so much less pressure on the Dodgers moving forward you get the one out of the way I'm I'm 33 Mike it was 1988 the the I was a baby a one years old. When the Dodgers won I haven't seen them They've only been back to the World Series twice Since then One of them game 7 loss against the Astros This feels like the best Dodgers team That I can remember The, the most deep team There are very few weaknesses they have I'm picking the Dodgers To me it feels like it's the Dodgers here I'm with you, man. Uh, this is going to make it three out of their last four years where they get to the World Series. So in the next round, I do have them knocking off the Padres, which kind of pains me once again that they have to match up against each other. I'd love to see that, that them in the NLCS. It feels like an ALCS. That would be a great seven-game series. It if we really, get it. really would. Uh, so that's kind of unfortunate. Uh, and then, yeah, the two upsets here. You got the six and seven seeds going up against each other, the Marlins and the Reds. I think the Reds pitching gets them through that series. The NL. Championship series will be the Dodgers Against the Reds and the Dodgers Will dispose of them they're just a better Team top to bottom A's Dodgers World Series The the Dodgers Get the revenge They've been waiting 30 plus Years to get the revenge on the A's They get it this year There we go you heard it from Mike He's got Dodgers over A's I've got Dodgers over Rays We went through each series And uh, Mike before I let you go I just gotta ask you because um, It came out I think earlier today Before we were recording this that the Red Sox have actually Fired their their manager This year now Where do you stand and and where do you Feel as a fan on bringing Alex Cora back Uh, give me do you, what would you want them to do, and what do you think they will do? Because bring that's back. been bring the rumbling. <laughs> bring yeah. him back. Yeah, it's not even. I, I I almost didn't want to wait to till you finished your statement to say <laughs> bring Cora back. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and to me, I think it's a no brainer. Um, look, he, you know what? I don't think he's just going to do what he do, did ever again. And and you know what? In just a he he served his punishment. You know what I mean? He if, served if you his get... punishment. And here's the thing, Gino. This is a sport that kind of prides itself on cheat, just don't get caught. Yeah. And we... So if it, that's kind of a part of the culture, to me, it would be like it, it would be it's like shitty that one he person... was the fall guy is probably the best yeah. way to put it. I mean, look, it there would be were like a lot of people involved. The scandal. Yep. There was a lot of people involved, and he was one of the few that actually got screwed. He lost a year of his job, of his life, of whatever he was going to be doing. You know, and and when you look at what happened with the Astros and some of their players and coaches and stuff, he was really the one that felt like he got it as bad as any. He did, he did, and so you know, look, um, 
like I said, if if it's if it's something that's prevalent in a sport, it's very difficult for me to pin it all on one guy or to say that he did it worse than anybody else. You know, like I said, baseball's kind of prided itself on on cheating. You know, as funny as that sounds for such a professional sport at the highest level, you know, they've kind of been the sport where you know, you have written and unwritten rules about how to cheat and when to cheat and how to do it. From the Black Sox to the amphetamines days when they talk about how there were greenies, a bowl of greenies that everybody would come and take in the the clubhouse, to the steroid stuff, to the sign stealing, to the technology with the sign... It's it like you said. It's always just been a HGH stuff. Andro without. Oh, let's just look the other way, you know. And so because look, if you don't want it, clean it all up and just. And, and, and this and is make what an I was saying. Of everyone, it, yeah. and it's got a score. Or, or no more cheating. Yep. No more cheating of any kind. We will not tolerate it. But that's not the message from baseball, right? It's the same thing. If you would have like suspended Canseco and Clemens or something for 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 the steroid scandal, you know, to me, it's like you either uh, got to apply it fairly and evenly across the board. Or say, you know what, we're going to ban it. Baseball finally decided to ban the steroids, ban PEDs, and that that was applied fairly across the board. It took them a long time before they did it. Same thing here. You either ban cheating or if you're going to let it happen, you got to let somebody have an opportunity after they serve their time. So I'd like to see Cora come back. You asked me what I think they'll do. I think the, the public sentiment is so strong for this, Gino. They didn't even wait till the last out was recorded. To start saying bring Cora back, yeah. right? Renicki's yeah. announcement actually came, I believe, uh, late yesterday afternoon. It probably mm-hmm. got lost in shuffle with football, yeah. but I already started seeing Cora hashtags going around Twitter. So I think, I think they're gonna do what they need to do to get this team back on track again. And the fastest way to do it is to bring a historically successful manager to your organization. What I think will really help the uh, the, the bring him back uh, campaign is that again, you know, just referencing something that I listened to earlier, Buster Only and Tim Kirchin, who worked with him at ESPN, are pushing this. They're like, hey, bring him back. He's a great coach. We love him. We know this guy. You know what? He served his penance already. He's done what he had to do. They wanted him suspended. Bring him back. Why not? If you don't bring him back, somebody else is going to, right? So that's the one thing that as a Red Sox fan, I wouldn't like. If if we decided not to bring him back next year and all of a sudden he shows up and he's coaching, you know, somebody else, that would bother me. So, it would absolutely bother me. Here's know. the one thing that we don't know that, though, Gino, is we don't know how that exit conversation went. That's a very good Was point. there a bunch of FUs out the door or was it, hey, I understand? Was it, hey, look, we got to do this. We don't want to do We're this. We're going to bring in just someone like Renicky who can just kind of be a placeholder yep. and we'll bring you right we'll back. bring you right back. It could have been that. So we don't right. know how that conversation went. Absolutely, and and it's something to monitor the next few days because this is going to be a big situation. And you and I just talked a little before we came on about wow. I mean, in the NBA now, the Clippers fired Doc Rivers. It looked like the Clippers just two weeks ago were up three to one in a series against the Nuggets. It looked like it was going to be Clippers Lakers, and then you lose, and then boom, Doc Rivers is gone. Now there's rumors about Kawhi love Doc Rivers. Are they going to make? Are they going to trade either Kawhi or Paul? It's just. It's quick when it goes, and it, it's it's really really qu- crazy. So, and and having a good coach up at the top, we've seen it is something that you know it doesn't matter what sport you're in, it, it trickles down from the top with the like the message that you send. And and someone like Cora is is really liked by the players. And even if he has, you know, some questions about what's happened recently, if if somebody else is going to get him, I'd I'd want him for sure. And Mike, I'll tell you what. Yeah, go ahead. You know if. 
when you're talking about another team getting him, and it's not just only about blocking somebody else from getting a really good manager. It's also about make sure making sure that you retain the guy that already knows the organization, one with your organization, et cetera, because I'm going to predict what's going to happen. There is going to be a little bit of a bidding war. There is going to be a team that gets upset in this first round. We don't know who that's going to be. Could be the Dodgers. Could be the Padres. It could be you name it. There's going to be a team that's going to pull a Clippers, that's going to pull a Thunder. That's, I mean, maybe it's Dave Roberts. Maybe they say, hey, you know, you, we've, we've had the team for you to get to the promised land, and you haven't done it. I remember there were some rumblings right Absolutely. when they lost last year. 100%. Right? What if they say, hey, we're going to bring in Cora? Right yeah. now, how do you feel as the Dodgers? You lost uh, as the Red Sox. <laughs> you lost your MVP and, and your, Mookie and Cora. <laughs> you know, and Cora. So I mean, you just don't know how this thing plays out. Mm-hmm. And maybe it takes something like that for them to be like, "Oh, whoa, we better, we better make a, a strong push for this before the White Sox get him, or the Dodgers get him, or the Yankees get him, or whatever." Right? I mean, definitely the Yankees. If Aaron Boone gets bounced out, you know, there's going to be some crazies in New York that want to get rid of Aaron Boone. And so you can't let him go to the Yankees, can you, Cora? Hell I mean, no. so it, it, uh, it's very fast any conversation. That's why we love baseball. And that's why baseball's offseason is as compelling to me as, uh, as the NFL's, as the NBA's. We are in the middle of a, a, a stretch of sports unlike we've ever seen before. You could follow him online on Twitter, at Mike Abadir. And I'm sure many of you hear our show uh, the podcast, The Mike Abadir Show, every Thursday from 4 to 5 Pacific time. You can actually listen live online. And it comes out on podcast form maybe half an hour to an hour after we finish recording the show. And this week, Mike, we'll have a ton to talk about in a few days because we'll be in the middle of the baseball playoffs. We will already have had game one of the NBA Finals to discuss. We will have the Preakness Field, which is already set, but the all the undercards and everything to dis- to discuss. We'll have NFL Week 4 to give out our, our game selections and recap on Week 3. It's, it's just going to be another crazy one. I'm looking forward to talking with you Thursday. Me too, Gito. Thanks for inviting me. Definitely appreciate. Always love talking baseball with you. And uh, hey, man, enjoy. Like you said, we're going to be a couple of games into this thing uh, in just just uh, uh, you know two and a half days here. So enjoy it. Go Dodgers. Let's see some good baseball. Baseball playoffs begin on Tuesday with the four American League games, and then on Wednesday. Eight baseball games starting at noon Eastern all throughout the day. Going to be a first round of the baseball playoffs unlike any we've ever seen. A big thank you to Mike Abadier for joining us. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll take a quick break here on That's What G Said, and we'll be right back. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. 
and you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. Everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, And uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Big thank you to Mike Abadir. If you don't uh, listen to the Mike Abadir show, check it out every Thursday. We chat for an hour. You can listen to it if you follow me on Twitter. You'll uh, you'll always get the, the link there or you can download and subscribe, and you can listen um, later on in the evening or maybe on Friday, the Mike Abadir Show. Let's talk a little bit of basketball. Even with the finals coming up, there was other really big news, not just talking about Lakers versus Heat. We're going to have uh, you know the Heat who won 4-2 over Boston. Lakers were able to take care of business with, with a, a really feisty Denver team. So it's going to be Lakers versus Heat in the final, and the Lakers will be the heavy favorites in this, but... Again, we have groupings of players that have never been here, that have never won. I don't think you can necessarily just assume this is going to be a Laker victory. This Miami team does a lot of things very well. They do a lot of things well that the Lakers don't necessarily um, defend well, or um, they uh, they seem to be... T- it's Just like any series, it's going to be very tactical. It's going to be between a good couple good coaches, and, and honestly, Frank Vogel's done a great job this year, but I would have to give the edge overall to, to Spolstra in the coaching department. I think he's excellent and one of the most underrated. And with that, let's talk a little bit about coaching overall before we get back into the series. Doc Rivers got fired. The Clippers head coach, Doc Rivers. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with expectations. Doc has been around for a while. Doc has been a really great leader for the Clippers. He was in the Clippers organization through all of the stuff with their owner, Donald Sterling, who was a just a bad, bad guy. He was able to help bridge the gap. He's been a player's coach you really rarely hear anything bad said about Doc. But I think one of the knocks on Doc can be that he is a player's coach and he may not be the best tactician. Maybe not the best at making adjustments, making switches. He's someone who can get players to play well and motivate really good players. And and even that is not something that, that happened in this spot because he had what many thought was the best roster in the NBA. Now, you can look at this in a couple different ways. He struggled to get over the hump with the Clippers in a, in a couple different iterations. This was the first time with this group. This was also a year that was a lot different than any other. This was a year inside of a bubble. There were you know 
many different circumstances. This Clippers team had issues with, you know, some players that, that I believe were coming in late to the bubble because they they had the virus. Then you had a couple of deaths in the family where players had to leave the bubble and come back. Patrick Beverly was injured. Uh, uh, so you can, it, it's not that the Clippers didn't win. I think it, a lot of it just has to do with how it happened. They got up 3-1 in a situation where you just have to win one more game and you've got this big series on the horizon with the Lakers that everybody had been waiting for. Everybody had been talking about. And they couldn't put together, really all they needed was three quarters. They played good halves in in three games and then they couldn't sustain it into the second half. And... So I think a lot of it wasn't that they lost because when you look back and you say, yeah, it was the first time this group came together. They did. They really need to panic. It wasn't that they lost. It was how they lost. And now a lot of questions are raised. Kawhi and Paul George when they came, a lot of the reasons why they came to the Clippers were, you know, mentioned coaching stability. Doc Rivers was here, championship pedigree. Now he's out the window. Who do you bring in? There's a lot of good openings right now in the NBA. And Doc has already been rumored for Philly, for Houston. What about the Pelicans? Those are good jobs. The Pacers is not a bad job either. So you got the Clippers, the 76ers, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Pelicans that are open. You got a Clippers team that, I mean, if you're if you're a coach out there and you're looking at this roster, I mean, they, they were the favorite this year. They're probably one extra big man off the bench away. Or, you know, they have maybe one or two little needs. Maybe another ball-handling guard who can sort of help set the offense up. Someone who would be like kind of a combination of if you could put Beverly and Lou Williams together. Because you put Lou Williams out there, sometimes they attack him if he's struggling on the offensive end. And then Beverly, he doesn't give you enough offense quite some time. So, you know, they could use a few pieces... But what about the 76ers? Are they going to make a move? There have been rumors out there about Embiid getting traded. For, you know, we always keep hearing about Simmons getting traded. Then you go over to Houston. There's been rumors about Harden getting traded. I heard one about Harden for Embiid. What about Westbrook? Do you make the move with him? Then you got a group like the Pelicans. You got Zion and a young team there. That's a very intriguing job for someone. D'Antoni's out there Doc Rivers is out there They're waiting Maybe Getting the opportunity to pick a really good Spot to go Heck I've even heard a Phil Jackson rumor that he may come back To the Clippers I would Find that very hard to believe But hey That was something that was out there Lakers heat Pat Riley Against the Lakers LeBron against the heat There'll be some storylines. You know, those will be a couple of them. These are two good teams, and they're deser- the two most deserving teams this year. The Heat were really good. They had to beat the Pacers, who were a little undermanned, and there have been rumors out there about Oladipo now wanting to leave the Pacers. Eric um, Etoff, 21 Sports, who comes on here a lot, um, has said he thinks and he predicts it could be to the Heat. Oladipo. 
we'll see if the Heat win a title. I mean, what? why do you even make any moves? Or you try to make as few as possible. This Heat team is deep. They're very good. They shoot the three. They've shown Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson can help them win a game. Bam Adebayo is one of the best up-and-coming players in the league. His offensive game is so much better than you think when you see, and he's just really starting to scratch the surface on what he can do. Defensively, he's a monster. He's going to be excellent, and he's going to make AD really, really work. It'll be interesting to see if the Lakers continue to try to go big and start maybe a Dwight Howard on him and force the Heat to have to have you know Crowder or someone like that guarding AD early. We'll see how the, the Lakers match up. That's been one thing that was a what was Frank Vogel's done a really good job of doing is he's shown the versatility the Lakers have over their last couple series by going small against Houston and then going big against Denver, using some of those big bodies against Jokic. I mean, using Dwight on Jokic was a huge point of the series in helping the Lakers be successful. So for the Clippers, who's next? Uh, Van Gundy, Lou, Phil, Lakers Heat coming up this week, Game 1. For, it, it's hard to to predict a series like this when we saw these two teams play earlier in the year in a completely different scenario than what's going on here in this bubble. Iguodala came back to life uh, towards the end of that series. And then you have Butler and Dragic who have been really, really good. This is a deep Miami team. They they started playing only around 8 or so. They can go a little deeper if they have to. Very excited for this. And we'll talk a lot more about what happened in Game 1 and what to look forward to moving, uh, afterwards with Alex Regla. That's going to be a lot of our uh, NBA Finals talk with Alex who does such a great job and he's been covering the Lakers now for a couple years. So... Later this week, NBA Finals, and we're going to be covering it, talking all about it here on That's What G Said. Over at sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, you can find all natural soy wax candles, no toxins that are found in paraffin wax, which is used in a lot of the other leading brands. And because you're listening to That's What G Said, when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, you get 10% off of your purchase. These candles are 100% lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro-batches, and they're hand-poured to ensure the highest quality, locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA. 25 different scents, always adding in new seasonal ones, three different sizes, fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils, Best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable prices. Hey, the holiday season is coming up right now. These are great gifts to get. Candles, nice, healthy candles for people that have animals, young kids or anything in the house. You don't want to be breathing in a lot of those toxins. These are good for you. Created by some of my friends, a small business, people who love candles. Started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and now they've blossomed into Sarah Candle company promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. Haven't gotten to do my uh, my NFL rewatches yet. Those generally come Tuesday, Wednesday, but I just want to give some quick thoughts about what we saw happen in week three in the, uh, the NFL. So the Jags struggled. They looked fun the first couple weeks, but they got beat up on, on Thursday night by the Dolphins. How about the Bears-Falcons game? The Bears are 3-0 and now. The Falcons collapsed again. Bears come back to win 30-26. 
Over the last 20 seasons, no team has blown multiple 15-point fourth-quarter leads in the same year. Atlanta did it in back-to-back weeks. That was a stat from Field Yates from ESPN. The Bears are 3-0. They're down big at halftime. They make an adjustment. Sorry, Trubisky. Here comes Nick Foles. Nick Foles comes in and leads the Bears to a victory. Stop me if you heard that one before. Nick Foles comes in and leads a team to victory. So the Bears are 3-0. What a weird game in that Rams-Bills game, right? The Bills go up 28-3. The Rams storm back, and they get up 32-28 late in the game. And then the Bills score a touchdown on the final drive. There's this very questionable pass interference call to get the Bills a first down on a big fourth down late that could have ended the game. And the Bills win 35-32. They stay undefeated. The Bills are 3-0. But the Browns quietly get to 2-0. They just ran the ball uh, against a Washington team that is offensively very challenged. And Haskins really struggled. And they, they turned him over a bunch. And this Browns team is 2-0. And they're over 500. That is not something you see often. Titans, Vikings, Titans come back in this one. Minnesota just cannot stop anyone. Final score was 31-30. Titans come back to win. They are now 3-0, even with a lot of their early season kicking woes. We get the Belichick bounce back in the uh, Patriots-Raiders game. Patriots win 36-20. So the Raiders get their first loss of the season. It, early on, they were kind of going back and forth, and the Raiders chose to kick a field goal, and the Patriots came back and scored a touchdown, and that honestly was was really the difference in the game. In two teams that are solid, I still don't know how good they are, but they're not. I don't think either of these teams are bad, and we've seen some bad teams like the the New York Football Giants. Oh. The banged-up 49ers starting almost entire team of backups on both sides of the football just beat the crap out of a Giants team. That, even missing Barkley, they should have enough offensive weapons and enough actual defensive starters in the NFL to slow down this 49ers team, and they just got crushed. And it's just a miserable start to the year for the Giants. You can't say anything else about it. There were some signs of life against the Steelers. They looked like they had an opportunity to come back against the Bears. And you just can't get any victories. This was not the most difficult start to the season with the way this 49ers team was banged up. The way the 49ers had to stay and play you know, in in New York back-to-back games, back-to-back weeks. This was an opportunity for the Giants. And another... Really just impressive win for the 49ers in that these last couple weeks, a lot of people bet against them. Hey, I played the Giants um, at home. That was a a hot game that a lot of people ended up taking. They just, we all felt like too many injuries would get to the 49ers team. They are deep, they're well coached, they're well schemed, and they can plug and play. Now, they're going to need to get healthy when when they start playing better teams, but they are still... A lot of people figured after week one When they lost they were counting out San Francisco Right away well you know what They're not going anywhere it's going to be a tough division They got to get healthy But they're not just going to lay down This is a this is a good Culture over there With, the, with their coaching staff 
Bengals-Eagles, we have a tie. Yes, we have a tie. And the Eagles play for a tie. Late in the game, they were about to kick a 59-yard field goal at the very end of overtime to try to win the game. And there was a penalty. So it bumped them back to 64 yards. Instead of trying the 64-yard field goal, which would then have been able to leave Cincinnati not far from field goal range themselves, the Eagles punted, which was going to ensure a tie. And everybody criticized the decision. I did too. I can't believe you play for a tie. But the Cowboys lost, Washington lost, and the Giants lost. So that tie picked the Eagles up a half of a game on all the other teams in the division this week. This division is 2-9-1 through three weeks. That is the worst since 2002. This is an awful division. Just terrible. The Texans are now 0-3. They've lost to Baltimore, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh. They got shut out in the second half. They came out strong. They were they were looking really good. This was another game that I, I played the Texans and just absolutely dominated in the second half. You... I just expect a little bit more from Watson. Um, and I'm sure he'll bounce back and, and play well, but they have to win one or two of these big games somewhere. You can't just always beat the teams you're supposed to beat and never be able to step up and win. I, I'm not saying he has to beat the teams over and over again or even make a run to the Super Bowl quite yet until they have a little more, but I expect him to be able to carry them to a win or two uh, against a good team and he, uh, we haven't seen that in a while. Jets, Colts, oh, the Jets are bad. One more loss might be it for Adam Gase. The management is growing restless with him not seeing uh, enough improvement. So uh, don't be shocked if you see the Jets making a coaching change very soon. They have a capable uh, assistant who can fill in an in, in interim um, until they you know, make a full-time decision next year. They just got absolutely destroyed by the Colts, 36-7. to And the Colts were just meandering around, too. They weren't even like that impressive looking. The Jets are just so, so bad. Panthers lose McCaffrey, but they still get a victory. They get their first win of the season, and it's just a typical Chargers loss. They played great last week against the Chiefs. Should have beat the Chiefs. Come back this week, Herbert making his second start. He doesn't look very good. They don't look good all game. And then they're making a, a late drive with a chance to win the game. Completes a pass to Keenan Allen. And they almost complete the hook and ladder to Eckler. And he fumbles it. He had a chance. If he catches the ball on the pitch, he runs right into the end zone. It would have been a crazy ending. Doesn't it always feel like the Chargers are involved in some crazy ending? Win or lose? It... The last couple minutes of these Charger games are bizarre. The craziest things you'll ever see happen in the NFL happen in these Charger games. It was sort of a lackluster Buccaneers-Broncos game because this Broncos team is... There are a couple teams that are really beat up when you look around. The 49ers is one that we talked about. They've actually been able to manage and win, but the Broncos are decimated. And unfortunately, they're not deep enough, they, especially at the skill positions, to be able to win without... Their quarterback, top receiver, uh, I think they got down to the third string quarterback. Uh, quietly, Tampa Bay, 
and the Bucks are back up to two and one. I've heard some people saying Tom doesn't look that great. I think he's been fine. I, I don't think he's looked horrible. He's just been he's made some throws. He's missed some throws. I don't think he's been as sharp, which you can imagine just with a new group, new system, new receivers, everything. But he's still making some fine throws. To me, it wasn't he doesn't look as bad or it doesn't feel as as bad as when I've watched Drew Brees and the Saints. We'll get to in just a second. The Lions with Galladay back, they were able to beat the Cardinals. Cardinals were a big favorite in this game at home, and uh, Kyler Murray struggles three interceptions. And this is one of those games that could end up being a really bad loss for them. For the Cardinals in a division with Seattle, who's looked really good. The Rams, even in defeat, looked really good last week coming all the way back. And they feel like they're a good team. That was an easy was not an easy spot for the Rams. San Francisco is very good. You can't can't lose games like this. Can't lose games to teams that feel like you should be beating. And uh, the Cardinals spit this one out. They end up losing 26-23. They're two and one. The Lions pick up their first victory of the season. They're now one and two. Cowboys and Seahawks, they went back and forth. A lot of points scored in this game. Seahawks win 38-31. You're gonna see one of the Worst football plays you will ever see. It's similar to one that Deshaun Jackson did a while ago where Metcalf, wide open, reception. He's about to walk into the end zone. He slows down as he's strutting into the end zone, you know, taunting the DB that he just beat. And the ball gets poked out of his hand right before the end zone. He just costs his team... Six, likely seven, right there, and that could have cost them the game. He ends up making the what is the game-winning touchdown catch, um, and they win thirty-eight, thirty-one. And Russell Wilson has just been incredible. Talking about you know three season, three games into the season, but hey, remember this is a sixteen-game season. Next week, one more. We're already a quarter of the way through. You talk about MVP candidates. It starts with Russell Wilson. It's probably Josh Allen, probably Aaron Rodgers as your top three. And, and I mean, it's hard not to have Mahomes on the list after what we saw them do um, uh, on Monday night. But, you know, those would probably be the, uh, the the early leaders. Sunday night, we saw the Saints-Packers, and the Packers get the win there. They go to 3-0. They're 37-30. A lot of people didn't believe in the Packers last year. It felt like in some of the Packers games, they were... You know, beneficiaries of close victories or games that you looked back and they didn't feel very dominant. They feel a little different this year. Remember, they didn't have their number one wide receiver here. They have a legitimate star number one running back, and Aaron Rodgers looks rejuvenated. They won 37 30. They're 3 0. They feel like they are in the top tier of the NFC. Monday night game was Chiefs and Ravens, Chiefs 34, Ravens 20. Lamar was 15 for 28. He had less than 100 yards passing. The Chiefs scored 21 points in the second quarter, and they just really punched the Ravens right in the mouth. The Ravens were able to cut it to a seven-point deficit, but then Kansas City immediately responded and scored. And now you're going to have, if you're Baltimore, unfortunately, you're a very good team. There is no, no question about if you are one of the best football teams in the league. They do a lot of things very well. But... After what happened in the playoffs last year And now when you face the Super Bowl champions The team that is thought of as one of the best teams in the league Baltimore was a favorite in in this game Obviously it was at Baltimore 
And the Chiefs just just beat him up. And you're going to have to answer those questions now. With uh, with Lamar and with that running style, are you going to be able to win? Can you beat good teams? Is this just a style that you can beat up on bad teams? And I don't think that's the case. He's so young. This is a very good team. But we're in this social media age. Anytime you have a, a loss like this in a big game, we had been hearing that the Ravens were really pumped up for this game and they were circling this as um, sort of a way to prove themselves. They're going to have a lot of questions to answer and they're going to have to deal with it you know, till their next really big game that they have circled, or honestly, it really doesn't matter for for a team like that now until getting there matters. But you got to get there and you got to prove it in the playoffs, because that's what everyone's going to question now. Can this team with this run, with this style of play do it against really good teams? NFL Week Four coming up, and we're going to talk about Week Four with Scott Shapiro. On the next episode of That's What She Said, we'll go through all the games, line spreads, we'll talk some fantasy stuff. Speaking of fantasy, new daily fantasy app, it is Thrive Fantasy. And if you use the promo code GINO, it'll get you an instant $20 bonus back when you deposit 20 This is DFS for prop betting. If you're someone who plays a lot of props, you will love this. That's how you make your lineup. You create it around the list of props that you are selecting over or under on that they have for you in each lineup. There are contests available for the Thursday night games. Then you have the big contest that they have for Sunday where they'll have you know full prop uh, lineup selections or touchdowns only. Will they have an over or under on a touchdown for different players throughout? They are all sorts of different contests you can play. For as little as $2. The main contest each weekend are around $20, $25. Usually $25 for the entry fee. And those will get you the opportunity to play in huge pools. $15, $20, worth of prizes. Playing against a bunch of other entrants. I'm always involved at Thrive Fantasy. You'll see me in there. Don't forget promo code GINO. will get you that instant $20 bonus when you deposit $20 right into your account. Huge week coming up at Pimlico with the Preakness on Saturday. So Pimlico is going to get the fun started with uh, some big races on Thursday. I have looked at a few of them, so let's talk about a couple of the Thursday races. And uh, on the next episode, you're going to get a ton of Friday and Saturday racing action that we're going to cover for you from a bunch of different tracks. Pimlico... Keeneland, Santa Anita, Belmont Park. We're going to be picking and choosing, talking about the big races and uh, giving that in-depth analysis. But let's get to Thursday. Past performance is out for October the 1st. And we've got the sixth race is where we will look for our first play. Let's go to race number six. It is the Jim McKay Turf Sprint. They're going to be going five furlongs in here. And let's look to the number six completed pass. We're just coming off football. Let's talk about the completed pass here on the six. He's had a very nice year. When you look at what he's done so far in 2020, his last out race, he was four wide early on. Then he came over and he was tucked in. And in he got caught behind horses. He angled out. He ends up clipping heels as he's trying to angle out. He almost goes down. He's able to recover, gets at a great opening, busts through the seam. Nice W. For a horse who has a good tactical style, he it was 
pretty impressive to clip heel like clip heels almost go down and then recover nicely. He's just consistent. He's in great form. It's really tough to knock anything that he's done on the grass. And I feel like he's gonna sit a really good trip in here. That is the number six completed pass. You know, you look at Francatelli, who's gonna be really quick. Tiger Blood, his best races are showing that major, major speed. So Let's go with completed pass Sitting the trip in here That is the number 6 completed uh, pass Texas Wedge down on the inside is going to take a lot of money But I don't think that's the best place for him to be drawn I'd prefer if he was more towards the outside I don't know if he's the quickest And he might end up getting caught in between End up getting shuffled back So let's go with the number 6 completed pass If we get anything around 5-2 to We'll make a win wager And make sure to use the 6 in all of your exotics Race number 8 The number 5 Wild about Star She won this race last year And she's going to get back to the grass She beat Jojo Air Who's going to take a lot of money And who was the favorite in this race last year She's going to go third start off the long layoff And Wild about Star's last two races They don't look that great Well yeah they were both races that were rained off the grass She does her best work on the turf She gets back to the turf now And even in her last start She hooked a very sharp runner who's won two in a row And has won five out of seven Back to the grass, third off the long, long layoff She hadn't raced since August Came back in July and then uh, Since August of 2019 Came back in July of 2020 And raced again in August 2020 So now she's fit, she's set for her absolute best Jumping back to the grass We know she's got the class Because she won this race last year And she's beaten this quality The number 5, Wild About Star Anything around 6-1 to one, Let's make a win wager on this one we move to race number nine. Couple that we're looking at in here. This is the Grade Three Chick Lang, and there's no knocking that the nine Yao Pon is super talented and the one to beat. He could be just a freaky, freaky sprinter. Another one for Steve Asmussen, but he's a type of horse who has a lot of speed and could get caught up in a race like this if there's a lot of others showing speed. He's drawn towards the outside, which should help. I won't be chucking him out of exotics. He's he's going to be tough to leave out. But I think another horse in here is a bit sneaky, and that's the three-captain Bombastic. He showed speed last time out. He just battled on the inside, and he, he was in a dogfight, ends up putting the horse away and drawing off late. Look at his entire career. He's done so little wrong. In the races where he stepped out of New York Bread Company and faced Open... He was second behind Pneumatic. He was second behind Tyshawn, who was very good at that point. He ran in the in the Jerkins. He was good that day. He was fourth in a big field. He was behind Echo Town, Tap It to Win, and Shoplifted. Those are legitimately nice three-year-old sprinters who would be a factor in a race like this. Captain Bombastic, if you get anything around 5-1 to one or so, I'm going to make a win wager, and let's hook him up with Yao Pan. So if you're playing late exotics, if you're playing exactest tries, supers, those would be the two horses I'm using all over the place. And a win wager on Bombastic, he can sit. I don't think he's going to get caught up in the pace like he did last time. That was a scenario where it was a small field, he was drawn towards the inside, you got to go to stay out of trouble. Captain Bombastic, Bombastic. I think this is a great spot for him. In race number 9, the Chick Lang on Thursday We move to race number 10 And it is the number 1, my boy Patty He got hooked brutally wide All the way around in his most recent start And that was his first try going over a mile on the grass I mean, he got squeezed 
early. He wanted to sit a little bit closer. He got squeezed out of a spot. He ends up getting forced four wide. He moves up into it. He just gave up so much ground. He won't have to worry about that today with the inside draw. It should save all the ground. This is not a very strong maiden special weight group. So the number one, my boy Patty. Anything around three to one or so saves all the ground from the inside and comes running late. My boy Patty. Racing fans, there are some really cool options if you're fans of the Preakness. Black Eyed Susan right now over at OldSmokeClothing.com. These are horse racing t-shirts with names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats with the big races, slogans. You can get custom designs there. You can show the horse racing fan in you. Tis the law, authentic, Bob Baffert, all sorts of different t-shirts. Face uh, Silhouette of Baffert's face on one of them. Uh, Whoever you're a fan of, I'm sure they have something on the website. Or maybe you're looking for a gift for someone coming up holiday season. Don't forget. To, to, to take care of your friends that love horse racing Your family members This is a great spot where you can pick out a couple different t-shirts for them Maybe one of the trucker hats they have there Use that promo code G-I-N-O You get free shipping Yes, that promo code G-I-N-O Will get you free shipping From OldSmokeClothing.com Show the horse racing fan in you That's going to do it For this episode of That's What G Said Podcast But we have a massive week Coming up, we're going to talk all about the Preakness with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. They're going to help me preview every contender in the race. The field is now drawn. We're going to go horse by horse. Stable Dual Talk with Chris Brothers is going to join me for an interview. NFL Week 4 with Scott Shapiro. Game by game, all the gambling, fantasy advice that you need, line movement. We're going to talk about everything and preview all the games for Week 4. Recap of the NBA Finals Game 1 It's going to be Lakers Heat on Wednesday And Alex Regla is going to join me You've heard him on this show a few times Love talking Lakers with Alex We've talked about the Lakers through some bad years And now we will be able to talk about the Lakers In a Finals Game together For the first time Really excited to chat about that with Alex We'll continue on with the baseball playoffs We'll go through Pimlico, Keeneland, Santa Anita And Belmont Racing for Friday and for Saturday On the next episode of that's what G said Folks you have a great great few days And enjoy this Cornucopia of sporting events You're going to hear plenty more from me Later this week Joey close it out